Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Duval, welcome into the Gen Jack podcast. We've got a ton to get into today. The Jaguars' introductory press conference for Doug Peterson was over the weekend. Again, we're recording here Wednesday, February 9th. You'll probably hear this on Thursday the 10th. Uh, but yeah, we'll look at Doug Peterson's introductory press conference. We'll take a look at all the names linked to the Jaguars' assistant coaching jobs. Uh, take a look at some news and notes. And we will round the show out looking at the top areas of the roster that need fixing, according to yours truly and to Jeremy Markoski, who rejoins the show. He was under the weather last week after the Doug Peterson announcement. Welcome back, Jeremy. Glad you're feeling good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, feeling much better. Of course, the Jaguars waited until I was sick in bed to make that announcement, um, which was definitely tough. They like to do that. They like to time things in a, a very... Uh, non conspicuous way. So they love to break news overnight. I'm starting to figure out. And, you know, if you're like us and, and you're trying to do a lot of this stuff during the day, it kind of doesn't really fit our, fit our schedule. They need to get it together over there. Yeah. My wife was literally getting up off the couch to go into bed. I was about to follow her. And then I was like, Oh, they hired Peterson. I'll be up for the next couple hours. Sorry. Yeah. I like to, <laughs> like to ruin the old, uh, the old, the old nighttime moves, man. The old plans drop, yeah. drop a little, a uh, little news and, and ruin your night. I see. At least I was awake this time. Yeah. yeah Urban Meyer. I was passing. Fair enough. Right. That, that was something right. Waking up, rolling over, hitting the, hitting the screen and, and seeing that was, was definitely eye opening. So yeah, at least they did it, you know, at, at a decent time. Somehow I woke up at like five 30 that day. So I, I was able to get my article out and all the stuff done prior to, you know, most people waking up and checking social media. Yeah. So it still kind of worked out, but I didn't break it at one thirty in the morning or whenever it was. Um, but th- those days are behind us. We don't need to talk about the Urban Meyer days anymore. <laughs> Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag, and check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Uh, earlier today, we just dropped our Lawrence Peterson 2022 shirt. Go check that out at genjag.com shop. And a quick shout out to Bold City Brewery. You can check them out of their downtown location on East Bay Street and at the Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. A couple little bits of news here. Obviously, there's been a lot of news about the coaching staff, but Unrelated to the coaching staff, we've got a couple things here. Tony Baselli, will this be the year, 2022, that he finally gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? It looks like there's a really good chance most prognosticators are kind of penciling him in as one of the guys that's going to get in this year. We will find out Thursday night, 9 p.m., NFL Honors. I mean, what a... What a way to start the Doug Peterson era with getting Tony Baselli, who is one of the greatest Jaguars, if not the greatest Jaguar of all time, into the hall after a wait that has been far too long. 
Yeah, just just a whole turning of the tide, maybe, right? Doug Peterson in, Tony Baselli in, uh, you know, things turn around, who knows? At this point, right, we've we've it's like beating a dead horse. Tony Baselli should be in the Hall of Fame. If Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame, Tony Baselli should be in the Hall of Fame. If they hold him out this year, I mean, there's there's really nothing that's keeping him out of the Hall this year. He's gotten some really bad um, I, I think luck in in regards to the pool of players, right? You know, we saw Fanica go in recently and Steve Hutchison go in recently. And just, you know, a lot of these guys who, unfortunately for Tony, you know, didn't play in Jacksonville, played in much larger markets and, and had stellar careers. So at least this time, I think he's the standalone offensive lineman who will probably go in. Um, and, and I think he's going to benefit from that, right? You know, having that pool of, of guys kind of gone. This is it. This is Tony's year. He's getting in. I feel it. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and jump on the backs of everybody else who's putting it out there in the ether, man. This is it. Tony Baselli is getting in. The Jaguars will have their first Hall of Famer. Yeah. First Jaguars draft pick of all time. Went number two overall in 1995. Five-time Pro Bowler. Three-time first-team All-Pro. That three-time first-team All-Pro, that is awesome. Uh, 1990s All-Decade Team. Pride of the Jaguars. Get this man in the Hall of Fame. Dominated Bruce Smith. Dominated a bunch of the best defensive ends of the era. Of Obviously, he had his career cut short due to injury, but no one did it better during his time in the NFL. And there's a lot of guys out there that will tell you that. Some of the best names in the business in terms of uh, guys that know about the offensive line and how the position is played. Uh, Anthony Munoz, who a lot of people consider the best offensive tackle of all time. He'll talk about Tony Baselli as the best offensive tackle of all time. So obviously time to get him in. Uh, we already knew the Jaguars were going to host a game in London in 2022. It's now official that it's going to be returning to Wembley. The Jaguars will be, uh, they had a one year hiatus, uh, um, as they hosted their game last year at Tottenham Hotspur. But they'll be back at Wembley. And I guess it was more than a one-year hiatus because there were no London games in 2020. So uh, they'll be returning, I guess, for the first time since 2019. And first time pre since, since COVID kind of swept uh, our globe, unfortunately. So it'll be a little bit more of a familiar feel. Um, the Jaguars had hosted a game there, I believe, like seven straight seasons. So obviously that is a contentious um, a contentious game in terms of how fans feel about the Jaguars playing a game in London. It, it makes sense from the money side. I don't think it makes sense from that competitive advantage or disadvantage, if you want to call it that. Um, but it, it is, is what it is right now. The NFL is moving uh, towards having more international games. The Jaguars are at the forefront of that. It's certainly helping them with uh, growing their fan base in London. Hopefully, it's not helping them get any ideas about moving to London, obviously, but um, the Jaguars will be playing in Wembley again this year. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. I mean, oddly enough, the Jaguars usually play pretty well in London, and it's not bad to, to grow um, obviously the international fan base and, you know, it's good for the league. It's good for the Jaguars. The only thing I think that really kind of gets fans up in arms is the talk of two games a year in London. That would be a slap in the face to the fans with the 17 game schedule now. And you alternate between nine home games and eight home games. I personally think this is obviously 
it, it takes it takes less out of the fan experience, right? If it's a nine uh, a nine game home season, you still will get eight games, right? Just one in London, and if it's an eight game home season, we go back to having seven home games and one in London. So with the added extra game, I think it kind of takes a little bit of the edge off in regards to that game. Well, in 2022, it will be the AFC getting the eight home games versus the nine home games. The NFC will get because the AFC got the nine home games in 2021. So we are going to be moving back to that seven game home schedule or seven game Jacksonville home schedule for the Jaguars in 2022. Um, You know, I think most people would prefer that it wasn't um, such a such a uh, point of emphasis for Shad Khan to make sure the Jaguars are hosting games over there, but it is what it is. And it does help the brand internationally, certainly. Um, And like you said, the Jaguars have fared very well in London overall. And considering they've been one of the worst franchises in the NFL during that time period and they're winning games over there, maybe it's not all that bad. And, and that, that's, that's the key to it right there. I hate to be this guy, yeah. and, I, and a lot of people are not going to agree with me, but Jacksonville's in this situation for a reason, right? You know, I don't want to uh, – bottom dwellers, like let's just be straight up honest you know, with it. Let's just be realistic. Last 10, 15 years, Jacksonville has been a, a bottom-dwelling franchise. It hasn't been great, and that's what happens. You know, you get – you know, you get a game taken away and you get moved over to London. Um, and, and that's the situation they were put in. And the only people that can get themselves out of that situation is Jacksonville, right? If you become a top team in the league, right, and, and you know, they don't want to put your game out there at 9 o'clock, right? They want you playing in prime time and stuff like that, 9 a.m. that is, not 9 p.m., you know, then you don't run into this kind of mess. So they're, they're in this situation on their own, but they can still use it as a productive means, right? We talked about it before. You talked about it just now, the yeah. money, all that kind of stuff. So... You know, the only thing we can blame ourselves, we can get out of that rut, get out of that mess if, uh, you know, Dougie P and Trevor Lawrence lead us to the promised land, baby. Now, I doubt that because Shad Khan has embarked on this London journey that he's going to uh, go down without a fight. In terms of that, I think he's going to try to have a London game every year as long as he's the owner because he makes money from it and, like you said, grows the brand. And it has worked to... Uh, create some sponsorships that the team would not have gotten if they didn't play in London. So there's certainly benefit from it from the business side, and I get why Shad Khan wants to do that. To the detriment of the home fans in Jacksonville, certainly. But if they can go out there and get a win, everybody will be uh, everybody will be excited. And I'll tell you what, uh, this la- this past year they beat the Dolphins there. There's nothing cooler than being done with the Jaguars game around noon and it's a win and everybody's just feeling good the rest of the day. Yeah, it, see, it, it can set you up for a good little Sunday there. Now, on the back end of it, if they don't win, well, then the rest of your Sunday is ruined. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I mean, At least. like you said, you know, it, it, it's a good business venture. You're right, though, with with cons ties to London. I may have got ahead of myself with saying that we met, we know that that will pull out of London completely, but the sentiment still stays. You know, they they wouldn't have sent over a premier team in the league to start that process to start that international expansion. Um, but it is what it is. Times are changing, man. Times are changing. I hope. Well, speaking of change, Doug Peterson, the new head coach of your Jacksonville Jaguars, he was always your top guy for this job. As soon as Urban Meyer was fired. Um, for me, he he and Jim Caldwell were kind of 1A and 1B. I had them right there together uh, 
But this is your floor here right now because you didn't get to talk about the Doug Peterson hiring last Friday. So I just want you to go ahead and share your thoughts on um, on how you feel about this now that it has become official and now that Doug Peterson is in Duval. I feel okay. Okay about it. Now, like you mentioned, Doug Peterson was my guy from the get-go, right? He's exactly who I wanted. He checked all the boxes. Previous head coaching experience, check. Winning record, check. Won a Super Bowl, check, right? Doug Peterson is, I wouldn't say he's an old player, right? He played, obviously, you know, before most of us, I think, were probably watching football. But he played with guys like Brett Favre. You know, he was in those locker rooms. He played in the league a long time. He knows how to speak quarterback. He knows how to develop quarterbacks. Everything we wanted, everything we wanted to get out of this search was just somebody to help Trevor progress, help build the star, right? Plant the seed and and, and let's water it. Let's help it grow, right? We have this this franchise quarterback, this guy who, you know, is is remarkable and and a generational talent. We need to set him up to succeed. Bottom line, that is what it is. Every decision from there on out had to be made with Trevor Lawrence in mind. So you know, if I closed my eyes and didn't follow the process, you know, and you told me that we we we, had, we ended up with Doug Peterson, I would be ecstatic and I would be elated. But the way we got here obviously kind of bogs it down a little bit. And I won't go too much into the process and all stuff because I know you've talked about it. I know we, you know, hammered it last week before the announcement, before the release pod of that announcement pod that you did. So I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it, it it's very clear that Doug Peterson was not their first guy, right? And I think around town, with everything that was going on with Byron, everyone kind of just dug their heels in and were set on Byron. And don't get me wrong. If Byron was your number one guy and Byron wanted to be here, this was his number one spot, right? The match was made. You thought that was the best the best guy to get to bring in to help Trevor Lawrence grow, to help this team take the next step. Then, you know, shame on you for not being able to get it done. Right, shame on you for not being able to to you know have the balls, for lack of better terms, to to make a move that everyone else outside of the franchise looking in thought you should make, Shad Khan, and and getting rid of Balky to set up you know the new structure of the front office with Adrian Wilson and you know whatever Byron had you know in his mind on how everything should be set up, right, and 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 that's where I think things stalled out. Byron had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do. It didn't align with Khan's plan and, and things stalled out and, and they left the table. Doug Peterson obviously is going to be a little bit more different. He he obviously is okay with working with Trent Balky. Trent Balky's still here. Doug Peterson's here. But I think he made it clear that there is some change that needs to be made in the Jaguars and in the front office. One of the biggest things I took away from the press conference was Shad saying that they used the interview process as a way to dissect from other candidates, how other franchises were set up, how the front office was set up. We've talked about it before. The Jaguars had like two guys in their front office. That was it. Total two guys. It was Trent Balky. There was no EVP, right? It was just a general manager, a coach. It was very bare. And it, I think it became very apparent through the process that the Jaguars were the only team in the NFL with a front office set up that way. The only team with one or two guys making all the calls. And they're obviously taking the steps to change that. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. How we got there isn't pretty. But how we go from here is really what matters most. 
the the whole process wasn't great, but we landed on a great candidate. I think a great head coach. Again, my number one from the jump. You can like where we ended and not like how we got there at the same time, people. Right? That doesn't have to be two conflicting ideas. It doesn't have to be. So, you know, if Doug comes in, makes the changes that we need in the front office, ultimately, you know, helps Trevor progress, then I think we could definitely look back on this in a couple of years and say it was the best move for the franchise to take someone who was proven, who has done it before, and 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 you know takes us into a whole another class, a whole another um, um, level in the NFL. You know, maybe we could become a good team not necessarily a great or elite team yet but a good team coaching can get you there byron unfortunately hasn't had that experience yet and i think that's the biggest thing that would have potentially held him back as the head coach of the jacksonville jaguars he's going to get his shot and he should get his shot i don't know if if jacksonville was the place for that i don't think jacksonville had the wiggle room of allowing someone their first shot as a head coach well, I think they would have had Byron agreed to work with Trent Baalke, but he didn't, and that's where we are now. Can I understand in a vacuum a an owner not wanting to have a rookie head coach and a rookie GM taking over a franchise that is in desperate need of stability and credibility at the top? I can. Um when you look at it, though, you're choosing Trent Baalke over landing your top guy. If you look at it from that perspective, that's concerning, obviously. But again, Doug Peterson, first interview they had, last interview they had. If you would have just closed your eyes, taken a nap, a nice month-long nap in between that first interview and the, uh, the uh, announcement of Doug Peterson being the Jaguars head coach, you'd be all good right now, to be completely honest. Ugly process, PR nightmare, but they're now on the upswing. Um, as you mentioned from the presser, Shad Khan, who who really did not want to answer any questions, he was asked directly, uh, did the Jaguars offer the job to anyone else? And he skirted that question just as he skirted most of the questions, same as Trent Baalke, uh, who was asked, you know, what did you learn in the last year? And all he offered was that our owner wants to win football games. Uh, I thought they really both botched the press conference um, from a PR perspective. Uh, but the one thing Shad Khan did share was, like you said, that they were kind of figuring out the way some of these other teams are structuring their front offices and through great work by our local media brethren here, they were able to get out of ShodCon that the team has submitted a request for an executive vice president role, and they also want to bring in an assistant GM. So essentially, you're going to be keeping Trent Baalke as the general manager if, if that ends up playing out, and you're going to be stripping him of a lot of his power at the same time, which I think... Rashad Khan, after realizing throughout this process that no one is going to bat for Trent Baalke outside of yourself, I think that's a step in the right direction. Couldn't agree more. And I actually feel a little bit different about the press conference. Yes, they dodged everything, right? They dodged all the questions. They dodged really the hard stuff. But first things first, kudos, like you said, to all the media brethren out there, everyone who was in that room asking those questions, they did not hold back. 
right? And there are some some team affiliated guys in there as well, um, who you know obviously were there to to kind of you know throw some softballs, buffer, um, but you know, the, the media did not hold back. They attacked. They asked the important questions. They asked the tough questions. They made Shad Khan and Trent Balky uncomfortable. You would have to be living in a bubble or underneath a rock or inside the stadium for that matter to not have heard or not understood, you know, what was going on outside, what the perception was of the organization, of the front office, everywhere but in that building. And the Jaguars did themselves no favors by being as little transparent as they possibly could right no announcements uh, of interviews we, we were getting everything from from insiders and, and scoop guys and obviously you know we kind of were able to identify who was talking to who based on those scoops right it just is what it is but i still think even though they deflected and they didn't answer any questions they did a good job of setting themselves up honestly on the right foot if you start answering those questions, opening up Pandora's box, you know, either admitting to the fault or what's going on in the front office or turning it into some sort of battle, right? Some sort of stand your ground battle, you know, trying to convince everyone that you were doing it the right way and the perception didn't matter. I think you would have created a little bit of a circus, a little bit of a nightmare, a little bit of a rough start for Doug Peterson. I think that's all that we've really got to focus on now. How we got there, yes, it sucked and 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 it should be explained and talked about. But at the right time, Doug Peterson was not a part of that. The only thing he is here to do is win and move things forward. So in a way, I like that they kept it. They kept the chaos down, right? That they, they let it still be about Doug, about the moment. And, and the questions that were asked to Doug and the responses that he had as well, I thought were terrific. Um, you know, he, he showed that outside of all the noise, he's focused on the task at hand. And I think now from here on out, that's all we gotta do is focus on the task at hand uh, and move things forward. But, you know, like I said, that they're, they're talking about the EVP and they talked about hiring somebody under Trent as well. Um, Shad Khan said that, that, you know, they're adding more brain power to it. That's good. Uh, you know, I would like to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt and think that through this process, he kind of realized the error of his ways and, and having Trent Balky really kind of be, uh, you know, the judge, jury, and the executioner for all things football and how, you know, narrow that that makes your decision making. But I don't know if that's true. You know, I don't know. There was no transparency. If he just came out and said, look, guys, we realized we weren't doing it the right way and we need more people making the decisions, I would have been okay with that. But at the same time, you know, I'm glad they didn't open it up to just, you know, open open, open stoning of, of the front office. You know, I didn't want to just see them up there getting pelted. They have to obviously, you know, understand the magnitude of what they're doing when it comes to running an NFL team and, and how much it means to the fans and the city and everyone else, right? We're not just a dollar sign, but you know, at, at the same time, show some competency, at least tell us, show us. So we know that you've learned, Right, tell us something that we know that that this won't happen again. That's the one thing I didn't see. But all in all, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I think the actions are showing that it's probably not going to happen again. He's going to surround, obviously, Trent Balky with more brain power, with more guys that are going to have experience and kind of steer the direction of the team more than Trent Balky if, if the EVP does come into place. But. Uh, if Shad Khan really wanted to own this PR situation, instead of kind of skirting and talking about different things and uh, avoiding questions, 
act as confident and smart as your head coach that is sitting directly to the left of you. When Doug Peterson was faced with tough, tough questions, he responded with extreme confidence. And it didn't feel like arrogance. It really just felt like confidence because he was relatable for much of the press conference. But when Mark Long kind of came after him with the, are you behind the eight ball with your coaching staff, with your ability to put together a coaching staff, are you worried about that? Are you confident? Yeah, I'm confident. End of answer. If you ask Shad Khan, did you offer any other head coaches the job? No. Just say no. You essentially tried to say no by not answering the question. Just say no. If you're really going to be this PR guy and you're really going to make your guys try to make yourself look better, just say no. Don't skirt the question. Uh, well, well, you, 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 you kind of have to right there because if, if you answer that question, let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We know no is not the answer. We know no. We know that's not the answer for a fact. Just about without you know anyone physically confirming it, we know that Byron and and he thought he had the job so much so that he was assembling a staff so much so that an official team spokesman from another NFL franchise came out and said, "Hey, this is happening." Ninety nine point nine percent sure, Mike Jarecki. Ninety nine point nine percent sure. So either a he answers the question and says no, and he's bold faced lying to everybody, and that's going to start a ruckus. Or he says, yes, we did. And then you've already set up your coach to be the afterthought, the second guy, the guy that we didn't want, but the guy we had to settle on because we didn't make any changes. So that's what I was kind of talking about when I said, I know they deflect every, they deflected everything. A lot of the questions didn't really answer them, but they also didn't set themselves up for repeated questioning for, for bad looks. It was already as bad as it, as it could be from the outside looking in. I think they, unfortunately, by dancing around, you know, help themselves a little bit. You don't want your coach to feel like, you know, he was he was the rebound guy. He was the I didn't get my guy. So Doug I got Peterson guy. can read that. He's a smart guy. He can, but you don't want you don't want to open up like you know what I'm saying. Like you don't want that to be the obvious. At least we can still assume that, right? We're obviously assuming that. But if you come out and flat say it, you're opening yourself up to just a nice whirlwind. And then you lie. I think Shad Khan should have said no. But then you're bold-faced lying, and we all know that. So what's worse? That's- he lied anyways. If you're deflecting, you're lying. Let's not like get into the morality of this. He he well, lied. Well, <laughs> Come on now. It, it's it's it, right. It's, we're playing politics here. Yeah, we're playing politics. Like, I get it. And, I get it. And that's obviously not what we're here to do on this show. Uh, but I, I just think I think Khan is still laughable at this point with the way he's handled things. And I'm not willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on anything. Agreed. Um, that, that we can 150% agree on. Absolutely. And, you know, I just think if you're going to, if you're going to side skirt it, just say no, move on. Um, and we're going to move on right now to Doug Peterson, who I think was smart, poised, confident and like I said relatable throughout the entire press conference and he just comes off in such a very like wholesome but confident way I think he's going to be a guy that Jacksonville can really latch on to as their leader here uh, the players the entire building and the fan base yeah absolutely like you said you know 
he talked about his family and he talked about what, you know, football meant to him after being gone for a year and, and being able to spend time with his family. He unfortunately lost his brother to pancreatic cancer and was able to, you know, go home and spend time with him. So not only do I think Doug gets a fresh start here, but he gets a fresh start with, you know, a couple doors closed behind him, right? You know, he, he got to really rejuvenate himself, right? See the family, you know, do all those things that he was missing. And and I think that probably strengthened his love for football and his want to get back into the game. And, and there's nothing better than a coach who has something to prove, right? Or has a drive or a newfound love for what he's doing and the way he's doing it with, with his staff. I know we're going to get into here in a little bit and, and just the way he's bringing relatability to the locker room and accountability to the locker room and, and, I mean, however else you want to describe it, right? These players are going to be able to look at these guys, these coaches, and know that they're coming from a place of of experience. And truthfully, uh, I can't say recenty because that's not a word, but most of these guys have been in the NFL recently, within the last 15 to 20 years. There's a, a relatability aspect there that I think this past coaching staff completely lacked. Yeah, in a big way, I agree with you that the the co- well, I think the defensive coaching staff was fairly relatable. I don't think I don't think when you're looking at Urban Meyer and Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel in a room that a bunch of these guys are going to be super excited about chatting it up with them and hanging out with them, right? They're not the most relatable guys out there, um, specifically Urban Meyer. And if the captain of the ship is the most unrelatable coach in Jaguars history, then it's not going to go well. But uh, Peterson is very relatable himself. He's a player's coach. I mean, every player, for the most part, that he's worked with has come out and just kind of been effusive in, in, in their praise for him. But now he's putting together a staff. And it's starting to fill out here in Jacksonville uh, we don't have confirmation on either of the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. However, it does look like Press Taylor is going to be the offensive coordinator. There haven't been any other names mentioned for that offensive coordinator job. Uh, it looks like that's what it's going to be. He is the brother of Zach Taylor, uh, who's going to the Super Bowl with the Bengals right now. Zach spoke about his brother and obviously spoke highly of him this week. I'm not going to put much weight into that. You're obviously going to prop up your brother if you can. But Doug Peterson is familiar with Press Taylor. They worked together in Philly for five seasons, I believe. And, um, you know, Doug wanted to promote Press to the offensive coordinator position in Philly. And that's ultimately the final straw between uh, Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, which led to Peterson getting fired is uh, the ownership wanted to bring in some outside help on offense. Doug Peterson said, no, we got this with Press Taylor. Well, now Press Taylor will get the opportunity that he didn't get last year. Um, He's spent a good amount of his career as a coach. I mean, he's only 34 years old and he's been in the NFL since 2013 as a coach. Think about that. Think about how long he's been in the NFL and think about how old he is. Basically, since he was in his early 20s, uh, he's been in the NFL as a coach. And 
he worked at, with the Eagles organization for a long time before Doug even got there. And then they obviously had a very good relationship. Uh, when Doug got fired, not surprisingly, Press went over to Indy to be a offensive assistant, I think senior offensive analyst or uh, some title like that. But Frank Reich is the coach over in Indy. He was the offensive coordinator for that Super Bowl run in 2017 with the Eagles. So that's the obvious connection there. And now it looks like Press Taylor will get his shot to finally be an offensive coordinator. And for me personally, I like that direction because I think Press is a guy that has a very good reputation in the league. But specifically for the offensive coordinator role, which is going to be a guy who's not calling the place. It's going to be a guy who just needs to basically be Doug's lieutenant in the offensive meeting rooms and just getting formations, uh, all those different things that goes into being an offensive coordinator outside of actually calling the plays. I think he really needed someone that he was comfortable with there, not someone that he's working with for the first time. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And, And for the defensive side of the ball, I'll make this quick. Um, you know, again, I talk about relatability. The guys are talking about Mike Caldwell. Um, I know there's another name that popped up. Gerald Alexander, Alexander, another former Jaguar defensive back. Um, Currently, I think he's coaching with the Miami Dolphins. Um, There was another name that popped up today. It was a former linebacker, um, another Jaguar. I can't remember his name. It's, I can see his face. I think he, oh man, it's from back in the days. I'd have to look it up, but, uh, Tony Gilbert, Tony Gilbert. Is being retained. He's being retained as the linebacker. Correct. They're keeping him Jets. and and Bernie Parmley, most likely another former player as well. Yeah. Um, so on that side of the ball, just young, relatable, right, and fresh. And I think that's the biggest thing: fresh, fresh names, fresh faces, and fresh in, in regards to and how long it's been since they played. Right. It's it's not going to be, um, you know, kind of old man ball. Right. Talking about you know, scheme and not really have being playing or having played in the current NFL, right? Things have changed uh, over the last 10, 15 years. I think a huge deal. So I think that's huge on the defense side of the ball. Offensively for me, it's the structure of support for Trevor Lawrence. And we saw that with Mike McCoy, another um, tenured uh, NFL guy, um, has has had head coaching experience, um, play calling and coordinating experience. Um, you know is well is is highly thought of um, in the league. Um, and then you know you mentioned Press Taylor, an up and coming young guy um, who had success with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Um, you know who knows Doug's scheme. I think that's huge to be able to have a guy who already knows your scheme, knows your offense, um, able to help you communicate that with the quarterbacks and and everybody else in the room. All these guys on the same page, I think, is, is going to bode very well for the Jaguars. And the biggest thing with Doug Peterson, he was already assembling his staff throughout this whole process. So the the kind of the rapid fire, you know, of hiring that we're going through and him being very confident at the press conference and, and being able to get a staff doesn't necessarily surprise me because I think he he's had one and most of his guys are coming back. They've either played with him in the past or coached with him in the past. And when you're a coach who has coached recently in the last two or three years, right, your staff is still around. Everyone's still around waiting for that next run. So, you know, he's able to bring all those familiar faces back in. And with Doug calling the plays, 
He alluded to that in the press conference. He wants to call the plays. He didn't make that official, but I think if you're bringing in a guy like Press Taylor or a guy who hasn't called plays before to be your coordinator, I think it's very telling that you plan on calling plays. It's absolutely happening. Right. So And so that makes me okay with it, right? All these guys understand. They speak the same language. They're familiar with it. It's just about support and being able to have a fluent breakdown of the offense, right? A fluid tree of the offense from top to bottom, everyone being on the same page, so knowledgeable of the offense. I mean, you know, it it just sets you up very nicely to be able to install things and have everyone speaking the same language very quickly. Yeah. Mike McCoy is interesting. He's going to be the quarterback coach. Um, Hasn't been in the league since 2018. He was fired mid season, two consecutive years in Denver, 2017, Arizona, or should I say Phoenix, 2018, um, replaced by Byron Leftwich, of course, in 2018 as the offensive coordinator over there for the Phoenix Cardinals. I'm never going to let that die, by the way. Um, But yeah, Mike McCoy has not been in the league for four years, uh, which is interesting. Obviously, he had risen to prominence as he'd become the head coach of the Chargers, uh, after he was fired there, he was offensive coordinator at both of those next two stops. Now he's getting back into just being that quarterback coach. He's a former quarterback himself. So is Press Taylor. These are the type of guys that we're surrounding Trevor Lawrence with here. Uh, McCoy, I mean, looking back at what he's done as a coach as a, with quarterbacks, I mean, he was with Carolina for a really long time. He helped Jake DeLome have a heck of an NFL career. That's a guy that did not have the most talent um, in terms of his physical ability. But McCoy was one of those guiding uh, uh, guiding coaches for, for Jake DeLome throughout his career in Carolina. Then you look at him working with Kyle Orton, who had one of his best careers of, of his career as a starter. With Mike McCoy, you look at Tim Tebow actually looked like maybe an NFL quarterback with Mike McCoy. Peyton Manning had his all-time season under Mike McCoy. Phillip Rivers threw for 30 passing touchdowns each season under Mike McCoy. So you look at some of the guys he's worked with, I think he's going to be able to certainly come in and help Trevor Lawrence uh, based on his background experience, the guys he's worked with, and the fact that he was a quarterback himself. I think Press Taylor as well. Jim Bob Cooter. You got to love getting Jim Bob Cooter in Jacksonville. That is an all-time name, is it not? Yeah, anywhere Jim Bob Cooter is, uh, that's a team I'm following. I just, I just, Coach Jim Bob, Coach Cooter, I just want to say the name. whatever you want to call him. Uh, I love it. It's hilarious, but he's a good coach. He's 37 years old. He's going to be the passing game coordinator for the Jaguars. It looks like, and uh, he's a guy that he's also worked with some very good quarterbacks, uh, worked with Detroit, uh, was offensive coordinator there for a little while. Actually, Uh, I'm excited to get him in here. The interesting thing about the defensive coordinator spot now, Mike Caldwell was long rumored and reported to be the guy for Doug Peterson. You got the report earlier this week that the Jaguars as an organization were targeting Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator, but that Doug Peterson was targeting Mike Caldwell. Obviously, that's important wording when you look at that report. Um, So are they kind of trying to 
steer Peterson away from hiring Mike Caldwell or just make him look at other options in Gerald Alexander. I'm not sure what's going on there. All I know is Gerald Alexander's only been in the NFL as a coach for a couple years, but uh, and he's only been a defensive backs coach. But his players love him. I know McCourty has come out. Uh, Jason McCourty's come out, talked about him. I know that um, Eric Wright has also done the same. So he's a well-liked guy. But Mike Caldwell, this is a guy who has been in the NFL for a long time. He was a former NFL linebacker as well. Played with Doug Peterson in the 90s with the Eagles. Coached with Peterson when they were both assistants uh, under Andy Reid in Philadelphia. And then when Peterson went off... uh, to Kansas City with Andy Reid. Um, Caldwell got hooked up with with Todd Bowles, and he's basically been Todd Bowles' right-hand man for the last 10 years. And Caldwell went with him to the New York Jets when Todd Bowles was the head coach there. He was the inside linebackers coach and assistant head coach. And then um, they also worked together in Arizona under – Bruce Arians, which then led them to getting back with Bruce Arians in Tampa, where Caldwell is currently the inside linebackers coach. I think that's a guy that has really put in the time that really deserved a shot in the NFL. Yeah, and just look at the way that his former players and former coaches talk about him, right? The video surfaced from last year's Super Bowl in regards to Devin White and Bruce Arians, both just, you know, screaming his praises. And I think that's that's huge. Um you know, a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won a Super Bowl recently, have had um, a pretty good defense. Um, you know, and a pretty good team overall. You know, you would be well off to go pick guys um, out of those uh, those situations, right? Those those um, those climates. I mean, just you bring that winning culture here. When you talked about the the verbiage, right? Doug Peterson's looking for Mike Caldwell. The Jaguars are bringing in, I keep forgetting his name every time. I Gerald, Gerald Alexander. I'm so sorry, dude. I don't know why. But also, my biggest thing was, and I noticed earlier too, so I'm glad you brought it up. Look at who reported that. Who reported Gerald Alexander, right? We know that certain mm-hmm. individual has also reported some other things that we have linked. Somebody that to. might be in uh, Trent Balky's right, head. Right, right. So, I don't know. And so, you know, <laughs> that honestly, and I'm again, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted this to be a talking point. I can't tell where I'm at in regards to – maybe they are just doing their due diligence, right? We're bringing in a couple of different guys. We'll talk to a couple of different guys and see what's the best fit. Maybe this is that committee approach, right? Hey, Doug says, hey, I really like this guy. Let's get him in for an interview. The other side of the quote-unquote committee says, hey, I like this guy. Let's bring him in for an interview. That I'm okay with as long as that's the case. Obviously, we won't know. But what kind of you know drives my curiosity, right, or, or kind of points me – uh, a little, you know, towards towards the dark area of the room is the fact that why why are there conflicting rumors or conflicting stories at this point now? And and again, it goes back to who reported. You know that. why? <laughs> okay, so right. So you know what, what I'm getting at is either a have we put this to bed and, and we're going to be a good um, uh, committee type organization, or are we still having this little backdoor, you know? sneaky snake type stuff going on because because that can't happen or we're going to be right back in, into the same same situation is trent balky in the building good yeah yeah i know it's a rhetorical question there i know where you're getting at but you know I, what why would doug peterson put himself in that situation either so i don't i don't quite know there's i, I can't quite hammer it out yet the writing is not necessarily on the wall but 
it does leave something to monitor. Yeah, it leaves a little bit of, of, of negativity, a little bit of, of, of maybe trauma creeping back in your mind a little bit from what we just experienced for the last three weeks. Who knows? I mean, certainly the Caldwell report wording, and I believe that was Aaron Wilson. I apologize if it wasn't, was interesting. The, and then the fact that Gerald Alexander reporting comes from Rap Sheet, obviously a story, maybe not a story, but just a situation to continue to monitor because Trent Baalke has been a guy that we've known has gone behind people's back in the past. So just keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm excited that Bernie Parmalee is sticking around, you know, after Urban Meyer threw him under the bus and ran him over about 30 times. He survived and he's still in Jacksonville. I think he's a very well-liked guy. You mentioned Tony Gilbert. He's also sticking around another guy that the uh, the players really identify with. Tony Gilbert was a, a linebacker in the NFL for a while for the Jaguars. He's been on the last three staffs for the Jags. Good to see him stick around. Um, looks like Rory Segrist, uh, who was the defensive line coach for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, is going to be joining the staff as an assistant in some capacity. He has experience as a D-line coach and as a special teams coach. I'm assuming he's going to be working with the defense. I'm not sure. We'll see how that goes. But Brinson Buckner is also another former NFL player who's coming over from Arizona. He's going to be the defensive line coach here. And he's a guy that he was a fun player in the NFL. He's been a fun coach, another very relatable coach. And he's a guy that people are starting to try to connect dots here. Maybe you go after a Chandler Jones in free agency. Yeah. Maybe you bring him to Jacksonville, a guy that always wanted to play for the Jaguars, grew up as a Jaguars fan. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. He's up there in years, sure. Uh, but he's a guy that's still putting up big sack numbers, big pressure numbers, and a guy that could take attention away from Josh Allen. And not only Brenton Buckner, now they're on the, on the, uh, on the topic of connections here, but that's something that I've looked at with all of these hires. Where have they come from? Where are their connections? And where does that help us out specifically in free agency? Since that's the closest period to us. Um, Mike Caldwell, right? A guy who you immediately think brings, um, you know, maybe Jordan Whitehead with him, or maybe uh, Chris Godwin, you know, you've got to start thinking about this kind of stuff when you're putting a staff together, right? The NFL is all about who you know, connections, and money. The Jaguars. Yeah, have- I mean, literally. I mean, uh, last year you saw a prime example of it with with Daryl Bevel and Marvin uh, Marvin Jones right. and Jamal Agnew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So again, connections and money. The Jaguars have a ton of money, and with this coaching staff, they can make a lot of connections that they didn't make last year. Right? They made some. You met. You just mentioned right there, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, who Jamal Agnew ended up being a, a, a very surprising freedom signing for us. But outside of that, right, a lot of that staff last year didn't really have a lot of connections to make. This is something we have to prioritize and have to focus on if you're Doug Peterson putting the staff together. Make this a uh, an attractive place to be, an attractive place to play based on the coaching staff we're putting together, right? Because that's all you have. You don't really have any history to talk about. You know, the Jaguars are a relatively young franchise. So not only from the history of the franchise, but also like a history of winning. Not a lot of that around here either. So you've got to find other ways to make it attractive. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence is certainly one of those ways. But um, I digress. Heath Farwell, he's going to be the special teams coordinator. He had been in Buffalo the last 
three years, I believe, uh, as their special teams coordinator. He was a special teams ace type of guy, linebacker, pro bowler, special teams, pro bowler in 2009. Uh, but he kind of risen up the ranks as a assistant special teams coach with the Seahawks and then I, I believe the Vikings and then got his shot as a, a special teams coordinator in Buffalo. Um, they had had a couple of the you know top 10 special teams units over the last couple years. Uh, so that seems like a good hire. Um, he's a guy that there was a little bit of a question mark in that final game this year with the Bills falling to the Chiefs. Um, the Bills kicker, Tyler Bass, I believe, he kicked the ball out of the back of the end zone towards the end of the game. But if they would have kind of pooched it, they could have killed a couple seconds off the clock. Reportedly, there was miscommunication between special teams coach Heath Farwell and the kicker, um, uh, the Bills head coach, Sean McDermott. He he blamed it on execution, not you know, play calling awareness or anything like that. But interesting to see uh, that was his final moment with the Bills, even though he had done such a good job as the coordinator prior to that. But he's going to come to Jacksonville. There's a lot of special teams talent already in Jacksonville. When you look at Logan Cook, when you look at Jamal Agnew, some of the gunners they have, uh, they need to figure out what they're going to do long-term at kicker for sure. But I think Farwell is going to be a guy that's going to help in that regard with the special teams units. And he walks into a decent situation. They just got to figure out that kicker. Yeah, Jaguars have not had the worst special teams. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been terrible either. Um, the, the, the biggest thing about this for me is this is a lateral move for Farwell, right? Yeah. You don't see that a lot. You don't see a lot of coaches making lateral moves. Now, I have to admit, like you mentioned, you talked about how things kind of ended off there in Buffalo. Um, I don't know if his contract expired, if they chose not to bring him back, or what necessarily happened. But again, the optics of it are you do not see a lot of lateral movement, which means either A, he wanted to be here, wanted to be in Jacksonville, and that's already a good sign, already a good turning point for the franchise. Um or B, you know, maybe this is the last resort, but I don't lean that way as much. Who wants to come to Jacksonville, right? The narrative hasn't hasn't been that way for some time now. So I'm really hoping that this is more of, of you know, what I discussed on the latter side of things, right? A lateral move because he wants to be here, wants to be with Doug Peterson. I think that can give you a little bit of hope, right? Guys maybe want to be here right now. What in the world is that? Yeah, right. Now 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 go ahead and 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 make that sentiment known to other free agents as well. Right? Free agent players now, right? We want to be here, right? We want to be a part of the changing of the guard. Off topic here, completely off topic, but for me personally, I feel like that would be such a cool thing to like to to a player, to anybody really. Like this team has been in the dumpsters, they've been in the trash. Now we can be a part of of of, you know, making something out of nothing. I feel like that would be attractive just in and of itself, but hey, that's me. I know one player who thinks like that because he talked about it. Uh, he's not going to be a free agent, unfortunately. He's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Jermaine Johnson, uh, he talked about going to FSU, and he knew that the history was there and that he could come in and be a leader and get them back on track. And so people could look at that situation here in Jacksonville similar. 
Um, reminder to check out genjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. All right, so we're going to close out the show here. We will do a little Super Bowl prediction real quick. We don't need to do the score, but we we gotta we gotta call our shots here, Jeremy. Who is going to win the Super Bowl this Sunday? I cannot get off the bandwagon now. I can't jump nor off the you, train right? now. Right? Nor should I. Give me Joe Sheisty. Sheisty, that was terrible. Give me Joe Sheisty. Give me Joe Burr. Give me whatever you want. Give me Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. They are going to win this game. They have have somehow made it through all the adversity up to this point. I know you were talking about it earlier today, right? With the lack of offensive line talent, Joe Burrow has been sacked. I think, if I'm not mistaken, was the most sacked quarterback in the entire NFL this year, and they still made it. It's an outlier. Don't get me wrong, but there's no pressure, right? They're the team that's not supposed to be here. Right, the Rams have been here before. Sean McVay has been here before. Some of these guys have been here before. Their first time out wasn't necessarily the best. Probably got some battle scars from that. The Bengals can go out and play loose, free, not knowing what to expect. And if they have a good plan, a, a good game plan, and they execute well, I think they can go ahead and, and take that Rams defense and, and shove it right where the sun don't shine. Man, I really do. I think that they have a chance to to give Jacksonville hope. Right. We're looking at this team right now, and this is everything we want Jacksonville to be. This team was, what, 4-12 and 12 last year? And now they're in the Super Bowl. Give me the Bengals. Give me Joe Burrow. They're going to get it done. Yeah. So I certainly want the Bengals to win, but I think it's going to catch up to them. Uh, they have not faced Aaron Donald and Von Miller and the rest of that talented defensive front for these uh, Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams are going to be able to get after him and affect him when it counts. And I think they're going to get the job done. And I, I think for as much as we want to talk about Joe Burrow and the, the Bengals, it, and it's a fantastic story. It really is. He's been able to put that team on his back with those great wide receivers and the defense has been really stepping up. Um, the Rams are a story too, right? Matt Stafford, he had never won anything in the playoffs out there in Detroit and had just really kind of been dragged through the mud for for much of his career. And now he's got the opportunity to silence the critics and to become a Super Bowl champion. And I think that's a good story as well. And I think it's his time to, to, to shine uh, out there in Los Angeles. And they are the home team. Home teams are undefeated in the Super Bowl. There's only been one, but they are undefeated. So I'm going to go with the Rams, and uh, I want the Bengals to win, but I think it'll be a good storyline either way. Whoever whoever comes out on top, I think it'll be a very good cap to this NFL season that's that's seen a lot of fun storylines. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm excited for it. I can't wait for it, really. Yeah, it should be a good game. I think everything points to this being one of the best Super Bowls in, in recent memory. Obviously, last year's was a classic, um, in my opinion. I loved last year's Super Bowl. But, I mean, the Bengals, the Rams, two explosive offenses, two great stories, right? You mentioned the the one grizzled veteran who has been through hell and back in Detroit, finally getting a chance to play some winning football. I'd love to see Matt Stafford win, too. I love Matt Stafford. I really do. I want to get him. I want to give him a ring at some point, but I think they'll have uh, another chance or two 
down the road here. I know that you shouldn't say that in the NFL, right? You know, you may not, right. you may not ever get back there again. You don't know, but you would think though next year they should at least have another good shot. Yeah, but you'd hope so for him. But I, I think it's gonna be a fantastic game. I don't think we're set up for any blowouts or any, you know. 13 to threes or whatever the hell the Patriots and Rams put up a couple years ago. I don't, I don't think we're going to get any of that stuff here this, this weekend. Yeah. There's no Bill Belichick in this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no defensive stalwarts. These are offensive teams. Like let's, let's don't get me wrong. The Rams have a great defense, but Sean McVay is an offensive mind and the Bengals are an offensive powerhouse right now. These teams are looking to score fast and frequently. Yeah. And the Bengals have a, a unheralded, but, but pretty damn good defense of their own. So that'll be just, again, a a great matchup, a a great way to end the NFL season. All right, so to end the show, what is the most critical area of the Jaguars roster that needs fixing? Like, you cannot enter 2022 without fixing this part of the team. That's a good question. That's a good question. And so... It's actually a loaded question. It's actually a deeper question. The more that I've thought about it today after you presented it to me earlier this afternoon. The short answer I'm going to say is wide receiver, right? We, we, we've made that known. Wide receiver is the most needed thing on the, on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. But here's what I've kind of thought about. I think the Jaguars are going to go all in in free agency and the draft, obviously. But I think free agency, I think they really are going to try to move the needle this year. I don't think they're going to sit stagnant. They're going to go out, and they're going to try to spend money on big names. You always say, and now I say you, we, you know, together, and people in general always say, right, free agency is for need, right, and, and the draft is for talent, for the best player available. I think, I think, and this is just me personally, the Jaguars should, should bend uh, that way of thinking this offseason. The offensive side of the ball is loaded in this free agent class. All of the top end guys, the big money guys, are on the offensive side of the ball. I think the Jaguars should take as much money as they physically can and put it on the offensive side of the ball in free agency. Revamp the offensive line. Get yourself a stud number one wide receiver. Big money all the way through. And then I think you go defensive heavy to revamp and and get things going in the draft at number one. I think you take one of those edge rushers. If you can do these things leading up to it, if you can bolster the offensive side of the ball and free agency, which I truthfully think you can, I truthfully think you can. I hear you. I hear you. I have to disagree. I, I, and look, I agree with, bolstering the offensive side of the ball. I think you have to clean up that offensive line before you do anything. You've got Cam Robinson, who is not under contract. You've got Andrew Norwell, the starting left guard, who's not under contract. Starting right guard, AJ Can is not under contract. Starting right tackle, Jawan Taylor, is not very good, to put it nicely. You've got to fix that offensive line. You got to do it in a big way. Obviously, you do have Walker Little that you can feel good about. You have Brandon Linder at center, uh, but I think you've got to go get some top tier talent at that offensive line um, and, and really do it big. And I think on in free agency, I think you should try to get a complimentary pass rusher for Josh Allen because his best season as a pro was his rookie year when he had Calais Campbell and Unique Ngakwe taking up some of that um, 
focus for the offensive line and for the offense as a whole. I think you need to go get somebody who who has an established uh, record of being being a good pass rusher. Uh, but other than that, I, I could I could see it, and I just don't think that Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson is good as, is as good as Evan Neal or even Kyle Hamilton for that matter. So I, I'm going to just disagree with you there. I do think uh, Twig has this uh, currently. He he said that if the Jaguars drafted today, they like Aiden Hutchinson. So you could be on the money with what they're going to do. I like Aiden Hutchinson. We all know that. We all know that we've talked about Aiden Hutchinson a lot. I'm a big fan of his. I just don't think he's better than Evan Neal. Well, that's only if you bolster the offensive line and, and bolster the offense in general through free agency. It's the only way you're going to open yourself up to that. Um, you go get like Teron Armstead. And, and I know you've mentioned that name, but you're right. He has health issues, right? Can't stay healthy. I, yeah, and, I don't know who else you're going to get that's really going to move the needle at tackle. Right, for the tackle position specifically, I think – that that's where you're at. I think you try to bring back Cam Robinson, regardless of, of either, even if you sign Teron Armstead or plan on drafting Neil, you still bring back Cam Robinson. My biggest thing is, and, and I've said this with DJ Hark as well. You go ahead and, and you bring him back too, because the Jaguars have so for so long, just have, have, have just muddled in, in mediocrity and there's never any depth. And the last thing I want to do is let a guy walk and just replace him with another guy who we want to be or hope to be an elite guy, not knowing he is, right? You're taking a risk. You're taking a chance, which you always are in the NFL, no matter when you're drafting, signing, anything like that. But I think you give yourself a better option with three guys than you do with one guy, right? If Cam Robinson can't beat out one of the other guys for the right tackle spot, if you bring in a guy like Armstead, he's going to be your left tackle, then so be it. But now you've got depth that you haven't had before. You've got guys with, with NFL experience. So I hate, yeah. I, I just, I just think from an operational standpoint, an NFL team is not going to franchise tag or give a guy a big deal that they don't know is going to start. Right. The money has to be right. And I'm saying, and, and it may not be feasible. He may want 20 million, 18 million or whatever, you know, tackles are demanding these days. And, and that's obviously completely unrealistic. We're not going to give him that money. But what I don't want the narrative to be is just, oh, that's okay. Let him walk because we can just go draft this guy, right? You're just, you're just in the same spot you were before. If he's not the guy, well, here you are. Now you're in the, the same damn spot as before. Yeah. I think what your argument essentially is, is that you need depth. And you said that. I agree with you. I think depth is critical. And the Jaguars have not done a good job with their depth in a lot of areas over the last decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the simple answer to it is saying that you need depth. But I mean, I just I hate I hate the one the one in one out situation, right? You're, yeah, you're I get, you're, you're not so, moving yeah. yourself forward anyway, and you don't know what you're getting. Truthfully, now I think at number one overall, which the Jaguars currently hold, unless they you know move back or anything like that, if if you stay at number one, I don't care who it is, I don't care what position they play, I want the best player in the draft. Unless you're a quarterback, okay, that's obviously said. But the well, best you want Kyle player, Hamilton. If that's who it is, I'm, and I mean this truthfully, <laughs> and this, but obviously, you know, everyone's going to have their differing opinions on that, on who that is, yeah. and so are the, so are the Jaguars. But I don't care what position the best player available, and obviously, what you're doing free agency is going to make that decision, I think, a little bit easier, or focus your decision, you know, one way or the other when it comes to offensive or defensive and what position. But it has to be the best player. We can't. The Jaguars don't have the ability to to pick and choose where they need a guy or, or where they think 
you know, this guy's strength to be. You have to go ahead and get elite players. The Jaguars don't have any great players, any elite players. They got a couple good players, right? They got a couple good players all over the place, right? But good players have potential to be don't win you championships. Yeah. I'm with you. It's going to be an exciting offseason. I'm sure probably it's Wednesday. I mean, I guess you could have the official announcements for the coaching staff Friday, potentially. We'll look at that. If not, I would guess it would be early next week. And so we'll be able to talk about that. We'll be able to talk about free agency, which is just a little over a month away now, amazingly. Um, And obviously, we'll be looking at the draft heavily in the upcoming episodes as well so i really appreciate everyone for listening uh final shout out to bold city brewery the one and only full-time sponsor of the gin jag podcast and uh unless you've got any closing remarks we're gonna get the heck out of yeah here. man let's get out of here it's good to uh it's 8 15 our time now i'm gonna go get some dinner it's been a long day for me i'm sure it's been a long day for you um thank you to yeah. everyone who listens as always we couldn't do this without you guys so yeah, the wife's cooking up something good. I can smell it even though I'm in the front room here. <laughs> well, the only thing I smell is my own BO after football practice. So I want oh, to get out of here as well. well. It's kind of gross. <laughs> Go get you a shower. Get you some grub. I'll do the same. And uh, Duval, hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And go Jags. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.